Finding the right jeans is hard. Accepting your jeans is even harder. Whether you wear boyfriend or bootcut, high-rise or low-rise, this podcast will teach you to love the jeans you are in. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tina. And we're going to use modern research to bust diet myths and get real about body after baby. We're going to take you on a journey of unpacking your old beliefs about food and weight so you can learn to nourish your body and raise body-confident kids. So put your booty in a chair and let's talk mom jeans. Welcome back to Mom Jeans. In last week's episode, we chatted all about how to help your teen navigate the confusing health messages they receive. And today we are going to discuss how to help your teen navigate diet culture. We understand that having accurate nutrition information will help you keep your teen as fed as they'll let you, but what if they don't let you? I mean, your teen is bombarded with diet culture messages, surrounded by influential peers and their family food beliefs, and is at a peak age of body image concerns and hormones. This will definitely cause distress to so many moms because it will break their hearts as they watch their teens struggle with their self-image. It will bring back memories of their own body image struggles and pressures from high school, and it will be maddening to overhear their teens and friends discuss diets, pre-prom, weight loss tips, or how to get a more toned or chiseled body. Diet culture, nutrition confusion, and the pressure to conform to the beauty ideal affect all genders. So today we're going to be honoring the struggles of all people as we chat. A majority of our work in private practice is with adolescents, and we have witnessed firsthand the struggle that so many teens go through to heal their relationship with their body, bravely follow their recovery plans, and do the hard work with their family to communicate their struggles. We have sat with the parents who are broken, who feel like they are reliving their high school diets, who feel like they have lost their sweet kid, and who struggle to support their child's journey through adolescent diet culture. Not all teens develop eating disorders, but most teens will have a phase, some long, some short, where they evaluate their body and their self-worth as well as experiment with food choices and exercise as a form of self-expression. Today, we want to tackle some of the harder topics that we see parents navigate as their teens struggle with body acceptance, with normalizing their food intake, and with the influence of their peers. So while this is a topic that Tina and I could clearly chat about alone, we also believe in a treatment team model of treating disordered eating. So we brought on Katie Bartels, registered dietitian, who we have worked with for many years, referred many clients back and forth with, and who loves her work with teens as much as we do. We hope you enjoy this interview between three friends, colleagues, moms, and eating disorder specialists about how to help your teen navigate diet culture and food confusion. Let's go to our interview now. All right. Welcome, everybody. Today, we are interviewing Katie Bartels, who is a nutrition therapist specializing in eating disorders and child feeding. Katie has worked in both outpatient and inpatient levels of care since 2014. She is passionate about helping her clients make peace with food and their bodies. Katie enjoys dispelling diet myths and helping her clients feel empowered around food. Katie is on a mission to eradicate diet culture and stop weight stigma. Heck to the yeah. Welcome, Katie. (laughs) Thank you, Tina. (laughs) How's it going? It is fabulous. So Katie, since you treat a lot of adolescents in your practice, I'm curious what is the most common struggle that you see teens and their parents face as they navigate their relationship with food? 
in my office, I would say that the most common struggle that parents come in with is feeling like their kids are not either eating enough um, or they are eating types of food that they don't want them to be eating. Um, I know we have discussed a lot about sports and different social things that kids have and not making the time to eat. Um, one of the big things I see right now is schools maybe not making lunch a priority. I actually was just writing a letter, helping a parent write a letter to her school uh, during this time where we are not in school um, to talk to the dean of students to see if they could actually make their lunch uh, schedule a little bit longer. Um, a lot of times teens have clubs during lunch and it makes it difficult for them to actually make eating a priority at school. It's such a good point. I work with so many clients that it's like they only have 20 minutes to eat or their school load is just so excessive and that they're like, I don't, I have to do work in during lunch or I'm doing a makeup test and they scheduled it during lunch or like you were saying, like they have all these clubs during lunch. I'm like, we need to encourage kids to take a break, to be mindful, to take the space, to be able to eat and then engage in those other things, either during a class time or before after school, something along those lines. So absolutely. I think you actually made a really good point that when I was saying this out loud, you know, we can absolutely ask the schools to maybe make lunchtime a little bit longer. However, I think, um, you know, as parents, if we are teaching our teens that making eating a priority is important, uh, I think that they would actually be able to maybe eat their lunch. I mean, it really takes what one one to five minutes to not yeah. a good thing to scarf down your food. But um, you know, really, if it was a priority to them, maybe that's really where our work needs to be done. Yeah, I mean, often we end up all working with our clients. I know on how important lunch is and eating throughout the day. And I often brainstorm with my clients like, can you go to the library and study and eat there or even go to the guidance counselor's office and eat there if you need to find a safe space and carve out more of a mindful eating environment? Because a lot of times, too, I'm hearing that like they're sharing that their friends aren't really eating or if their friends are eating, they're only eating just like a quick bag of chips or something like that. So Part of the diet culture that comes out is also that the entire environment at lunchtime is not conducive to helping a client follow their meal plan. So I'm curious how you coach parents or kids around dealing with this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, some of the things I was thinking of in preparation for this, um, I will often ask my clients to pack their own lunch and then to pack uh, foods that they can share with their friends. So that's something that they, that, that tends to work where they're following their meal plan, but they're packing even maybe a separate full lunch because as it turns out, their friends will ask them for parts of their lunch and it's nice for them to actually have foods that they've already pre-planned to share so that everyone's eating together. I love that. I love that. And it encourages that food really isn't just for nutrition, that it encourages social interaction and emotional eating. And that is a perfect example of, hey, I brought these really yummy snacks or yummy sides and I'm excited to share them with all y'all. So I love that idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I definitely think that the that the lack of importance right now as far as schools go to sitting down and eating a full lunch. I know we talked about them having clubs during lunch and needing to do their homework or needing to do their classwork. And 
I mean, from what they say, it sounds like uh, this may or may not be true, but it definitely sounds like there's not a whole lot of support for making food a priority. So I think also talking to their friends and saying, hey, why don't we all, you know, eat lunch together? I think we'd all feel a lot better in the afternoon if, for example, they play sports or just getting through the second half of the day. Um, and then I know also our clients get that education about if they, if they skip a meal, if they skip a lunch, all that's usually going to happen is that they're going to arrive home and raid their pantry um, and really get into those eating patterns that make them feel uneasy. Yeah. A lot of my teens that I work with are on meal plans just because I am teaching those teens how to logically eat and maybe they're not as connected to their hunger fullness. And I think one of the difficult pieces to that is that they're sharing like, well, my friends at the table are only eating like a bag of chips or they're not even really eating, whether that's because they're not making it a priority or because they're dieting. So what would you say to some parents that are maybe in that boat, their kid is on a meal plan and we're trying to support that and or their kids dieting? Like, what would you say to both sides? Gosh, so many things. Um, again, as I, was preparing, <laughs> as I was preparing for this, it would be so ideal if maybe, if parents had a educational course on Ellen Satter's division of responsibility, because if, if you start in feeding that way, and for those of you who don't know what Ellen Satter is, um, she is a guru in um, research in terms of how to feed kids to have a healthy relationship with food and or raise kids to have a healthy relationship to food in their bodies. And so one of her... We have literally blasted Ellen probably in almost every single Good. episode. So Ellen, if you're listening, please, we still want to have you yes. on. I've never actually directly asked her, but... <laughs> oh, I'm sure she would love to. I'm sure she would love to. Um, yeah. So with kids and teens, um, you know, parents are supplying the food in the house and they are modeling what it looks like to have structured meals and snacks. And then this hopefully moves on to the school setting. Um, one of the things I was thinking of doing was doing some parent education on um, how important it is for all parents to talk to their kids about eating a full lunch at school. Um, I think that a lot of these things could start in the families where parents know what a priority that needs to be. Uh, but I think a lot of times parents don't get that education and that they definitely also live in diet culture where it is highly, you know, applauded to eat as little as possible and just barely make it through the day. Um, and it would be great if they could explain to their kids, not that all teens are going to listen by any means, but that this will have a lasting effect on their relationship with their body and relationship to food and dieting actually causes teens to be further self-conscious um, and untrusting of their body that's going to be changing during that time period anyway. So definitely dieting just puts them at odds with themselves. You had mentioned earlier about just the unconventional schedules and the sports so and the clubs and all that. So I'm curious what some of your creative tips and tricks are for parents and teens to work around some of these just crazy busy schedules. Right. So I think maybe taking the kids grocery shopping with them might be helpful and getting them some on the go snacks that they could pack. I mean, in a perfect world, um, your teen at that age knows how to pack their own food and that they think that it's a priority um, in terms of what parents can do. Um, I actually just met with a teen mom the other day who was worried that her son who wants to follow a vegan diet wasn't getting in enough uh, fruits and vegetables and 
she, um, she just didn't feel like his diet was very diverse. And so instead of her trying to micromanage what he was eating uh, after school, sort of standing in the kitchen, blaring, <laughs> these are not the foods I want you eating. I said, what if, if you're home after school, what if you made a platter of all sorts of, you know, meats and, or not meats, because he's trying to be vegan, um, but crackers and, and never, maybe he wasn't trying to be vegan, because I think I did say veg, a vegetable platter and all sorts of proteins and foods that she would like to see him eating and just fair and just put it out there because teens often don't want to do the work to cut up their vegetables or cut up their fruit. And so I think that's one of the things parents can do is still have structured meals and snacks offered at the house for them. Um, and then as far as sports and things like that, um, packing the food to go. Yeah, I agree with the packing the food to go or even just teaching the teen, like what are some of your favorite quick to go tips. Cause again, it's about a relationship with food as well. So like, I want you to learn how to honor your hunger and know what satisfies you. So having the granola bars in the glove box and having some of your favorite to go restaurants on the way to your sports practice or on the way home and kind of giving them some ideas and some autonomy while also teaching them how to honor their hunger and fullness, especially with sports. I mean, these kids are working long hours at school, working long hours on the sports field, and they're hungry. And I think they need some like support in like getting all their nutritional needs met. And that's where obviously I refer to you and Tina. Um, and I work on just the relationship with it and like giving yourself permission to honor it and recognizing your your needs. Right. And I, I wonder if sometimes parent parents even think that their job with teens <clears throat> is already done where at that age, especially if it's a teen that's driving themselves or taking a bus that they should just let their, their teen, uh, fend for themselves. And I think, you know, depending on the kid's personality, um, different things might work better, but I think parents definitely still have a huge role in parenting teens with it when it comes to food. Um, and like you said, really helping them establish that, am I hungry? Am I full? Um, when they're on sports teams and they're doing a lot of activities, sometimes it's hard to tell with their hunger. Sometimes immediately after their game, maybe they're not that hungry, but then it kicks in later. So just establishing that, that structure in the, in the, gosh, in the childhood years leading into teen years is super important. Totally. I want to normalize, I want to normalize the fact that like, it's not really at this point the teen's responsibility to take that over. Like they're still a kid. Their brain is still developing. So I think it's a great idea for the parent and the teen to go grocery shopping or maybe the teen to be involved in some of the snack prepping or the meal prepping, but like to put all that responsibility onto them of like you're making your own breakfast, you're packing your own lunch, like you're responsible for the groceries and the cooking and things like that. Like I have some clients that are like, I cook dinner for my entire family family and in my head I'm like that's that's great because your cooking skills are like fabulous but like somewhat inappropriate because it's very stressful to the client to have that sort of responsibility so I think as always we're like bringing it back to that parent role of being like we have to be able to do our work first so that our kids can develop those better relationships and so that may mean like we need to make sure that we're providing the food, providing the access, and then giving the kid the opportunity to, you know, develop that relationship as well. So a lot of awesome ideas. Yeah. Well, I guess my one thought is just to bring it back to the moms that are listening. Like as a mom, I understand that 
it's so easy to fall into power struggles with food with your kids. And then if you're also a mom who's entrenched in diet culture, it's going to be really hard for you to like successfully lead your children through finding a peaceful relationship with food if you're not there yourself. So again, bringing it back to the moms, like how do you, Katie, help coach some of the moms to just get more stable and confident in their relationship with food so they can help their teens? Right. Well, gosh, in in the best case scenarios, parents come in and they're very, very much wanting to help their teens have a better relationship with food. And so what comes out during a session is like you were just saying that they themselves may have fallen victim to diet culture really without knowing that they did. Um, So in terms of, you know, parents helping their kids be more intuitive with their food. I always give them a lot of education about what the normal growth patterns are for teens. And between the ages of 11 and let's say 18 to 20, that teenage girls gain anywhere between 15 and 50 pounds with an average somewhere in there around 35. And I think, I mean, parents just stare wide-eyed like, wow, well, my pediatrician failed to mention that. Um, And just, (laughs) you know, letting them know that expect changes. And um, again, we live in this culture that says that weight gain is always bad, but it's actually a normal and a a necessity in the teen years. And to, I guess, I don't know if the word is warn, but to let their kids know that, hey, this is coming and let's be prepared and let's keep continuing to feed our bodies in a way that makes us feel good. Um, I think that's really important is just giving that biological education and that um, I know a lot of parents come in and they're fearful um, that their kids are going to get bullied for different reasons regarding weight. And so, you know, that will turn out that the parent themselves was bullied as a child um, and they maybe had lived in a larger body and now they definitely follow diets, um, which sometimes is what ends up bringing their teen into my office. Right. I'm glad that you brought it to the fact that like it really is normal for teens bodies to change and to change drastically and so unfortunately there's a lot of doctors or pediatricians that aren't on that boat and maybe miss that in their I don't know medical school training that like hey it's it is normal for our kids bodies to change and for their growth patterns to be kind of all over the place and if a kid's gaining 30 pounds or 50 pounds like please don't tell them that their BMI is in an inappropriate place and so how would you coach parents when they come in and say my kid's complaining about their body whether that's because our doctor told us that their BMI is too high or they've been bullied in school or they're trying to lose weight to fit in their prom dress or whatever it is. How do you coach families around that? Right. Well, so the first thing um, going back to the pediatrician's uh, visit would be, if at all possible, having the parent discuss via email or phone call with the pediatrician prior to taking their teen in for a well check, um, that they do not want weight to be discussed in the appointment. Um, And hopefully the pediatrician would be on board. Um, I was just looking back in in 2016, uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics had put out a a letter that said that pediatricians are not supposed to do that. And that actually they found that to be very harmful 
well, then in 2018, <laughs> and uh, something else came out to change that. And so I think that pediatricians are probably very confused about what their role is in that. Uh, but I've definitely heard from many a pediatrician say, we really were not given proper education on this topic. And so I think that they, they, that, you know, they would probably be fine if a parent said, you know, would you mind not discussing this? Um, okay, so as far as um, what parents can do, if their child is saying to them or their teen is saying to them that they are unhappy with their body weight, uh, and it could be because of being bullied at school, or it might be because the pediatrician said something. I think this is one of the best opportunities for parents to talk to their kids about diet culture and how we live in this place that moralizes certain body types. And again, going back as parents and re reminding your kids that, gosh, such a large percentage of how we look is about our is about our genetics. And I know you guys have talked about that in your first podcast. Um, and reminding them that what makes them a you know a good human is all about their actions and their behaviors and not about what their body looks like and that in order to build that self-esteem that really is what teens are looking for um that trusting their bodies around food trusting that food will always be there that they're never going to be shamed about the type of food that they eat or how much they eat and that you know food is supposed to be enjoyed yet we live in this culture that says you know you should be fearful of certain things and if you eat certain things it's going to make your body look a certain way uh, so I think that, gosh, if parents were armed with this information, going through those teenage years, maybe would be able to help um, a little bit more. Yeah, I think the biggest piece is for parents to, again, realize, like, if I'm believing these diet culture messages, I'm potentially subtly bringing them down to my child. And I, I'll never forget, I mean, I hear so many stories of teens and moms sitting on my couch and, like, how this is playing out at home, but I'll never forget one teen saying, like, mom, you keep pushing me to eat the tortilla, but like you're not. Or like, mom, every time I eat the hamburger, like you take off the bun. And like, it's like, mom, you have to also do this work yourself in order for me to do this work or for me to believe these anti-diet culture messages that you and my therapist are trying to say, but then mom, you're not doing it either. So I think moms have to do the work so they can model what they're trying to preach, you know? Absolutely. I can't, yeah. It, I've often seen a lot of moms say in the session with their teens that, oh, well, you can eat that because you're a teen, but I'm a parent. And so, you know, I can't now, but which is fully diet culture. So I'm curious what some of your favorite like resources are for parents to explore this anti-diet culture. Like what are some alternative options for dieting or how can they kind of help their kids change their mindset about their bodies instead of changing their bodies? Is there anything else you'd want to add to that piece? Well, I do. Gosh, I wish it was again in that whole parenting manual to read intuitive eating and to educate themselves about the whole intuitive eating uh, principles so that they're able to be that role model for their kids. Um, but uh, one of the new books that came out, which I'm sure you guys have already talked about, the um, Christy Harrison um, anti-diet book. I've given that away to a lot of the parents that I work with to educate themselves about diet culture and to really look at challenging that and going back to helping their teens be respectful of their changing bodies and help their teens feel confident in so many other ways besides changing their diet. 
um, thinking that that's going to, you know, make a difference. It's a great book. It is a great book. Um, and like you had mentioned before, anything on Ellen Satter's website um, under the Division of Responsibilities, there's also like a ton of different webinars and free. Well, I don't know if it's free. I think it's paid resources. Um, and even though it's like guided for children, we can still practice those principles as our kids, teens are getting older. Um, I never, I, I don't think it's too late to start. So if you're realizing now, like, man, I haven't been doing the work myself and I'm concerned about, you know, what I'm putting out there to my kids, like you can, you can read these books, you can engage in these webinars and implement really small changes with your kids. I know I've, I've worked with some parents uh, in the past where as I've never even met the kid and it's just the parent and I doing the work. And as we've been doing the work with um, their relationship with their kid and their kid's body or their kid's food because they're worried that my kid eats too much sugar or my kid's body is different than everybody else's in the family, they've been able to implement some change and the kid's like 16 and it has made drastic, made it made a drastic difference in the family and with the kid's own relationship with themselves. So it's never too late to start to uh, practice some of these things. Absolutely. You just actually said something really important that I think a lot of parents come in and they think that their child's weight or appearance is a representation of how good of a parent that they are. Um, which definitely coincides with diet culture saying that your own weight is a representation of how, you know, good of a person you are. And then that flows down into parenting our children and teens. And so letting parents know that, gosh, you know, you have so many great jobs, but that is not one of your jobs is to try to help manipulate your child's body to fit into diet culture. Right. And then what they end up doing is because they're like, oh, if my kid's body is different and it's a representation of my parenting, they encourage dieting. Right. And then a kid that maybe was doing okay and everything was normal now is it now is faced with diet culture and that influence from their own parents. And guess what? They're going to get it in society no matter what. But if they're coming home and that 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 lack of safety is happening in the house. I mean, to me, they're screwed in that moment, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, gosh, have had so many amazing parents in my office recently that brought their teens in saying, oops, I totally realized that what I did did not work out well for our family. And I'm really interested in learning more. And those are the parents that say in that moment where their teen said, I'm super unhappy with my body instead of saying, oh my gosh, this is a great time to talk about diet culture. And hey, by the, by the way, like what else is happening in your life? Like what else might be making you feel like this? And gosh, I mean, the teen years with all the different brain development, they're going through so many changes and their emotions are so out of whack that um, that's a huge piece of this, you know, why they might latch on to wanting to change their bodies. But instead of doing that, they go to, oh my gosh, well, let me help you exercise more. Let me help you eat more nutritious foods or cut out 
um, junk food, which is one of the things I had meant to say earlier is that as a parent of a teen, as a parent of any, any age child, it is so important to not label foods as junk or bad or dirty because then your teen, especially when they're trying to figure out their identity in their teen years, they may use that as, well, then now I'm junk and I'm bad and I'm dirty. And, you know, again, that relationship between morality and food is so not helpful. You know, shame never, never did anything to make anyone make better choices. Yeah, I read this fascinating book called Freaks, Geeks and Cool Kids. And it talks all about how teens use different types of currency in order to navigate their adolescence and gain power. And the currency they use is popularity and um, academic success and a huge piece is looks. So if we wonder why teens are so obsessed, first of all, their brain is so much more susceptible to absorbing diet culture because they are developmentally more egocentric. And then also because the only way they can gain power in high school is to have this currency of looking a certain way because that's basically the currency that our entire culture uses. And so I think you're right. Parents are so much more susceptible to pushing that on their kids because they want their kids to be successful and they know we we live in a culture where success comes from the way you look or the, the size of your body. So it really is this huge, bigger picture of like systemic oppression, of fat phobia, and of um, the privileges that come along with looking a certain way. So I think that's just a good point for parents to do a lot of deeper thinking on why do I put pressure on myself to look a certain way? And why do I pressure my kids to look a certain way? And what, what kind of power am I trying to get out of this? So kind of bringing it back to the science part of it, and which I feel like as dietitians, it's important that we address this because maybe parents don't really know, but how does dieting actually affect a teen, a child's body? Right. Well, so let's see. First thing for dieting would be um, biologically, they are going to, like I said before, if they are skipping meals at school, it's often going to lead to um, binge eating. Dieting often leads to binge eating and then feeling remorse. Um, as far as teens go, they're in that age of building their bone. And so if they're lacking nutrition, so from calcium, lacking iron, they are also not building proper bone mass during that time. Um, it's going to make them preoccupied with food. Um, Tina, what other biological components were you thinking for dieting? Well, I think it's like stunting their growth and their brain development and really recognizing that their brains are not supposed to be developed until, you know, 19, 20, 21 even depending on the kid, like I always call it the the teeners. Those are the 19 year olds that feel like they're adults. But yet I'm like, boo boo, your brain's not there yet. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> and so if we're like delaying that by encouraging them to be restricting, then we're also delaying this really essential brain development. And so kind of funny, haha, maybe not so funny. Like if you eventually want your kid to move out and like build their own autonomy, don't let them diet because guess what? Like that teener, that 19 year old isn't really going to have that brain development until they're 25, 28 years old. And then you're like, why do you still live here, man? Get out, get a job. And it's like, mm, they dieted when they were 12. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway yes no, that's a good point I, I always think too when I'm talking to parents about their teens and dieting and I tell the teens and the parents this um, because we live in such a carb phobic um, time right now and uh, that teens are going to crave carbohydrates they're going to be craving carbohydrates um, as their primary macronutrient not that we always don't need that as our primary macronutrient but theirs is even heightened because of all the brain changes that they're having and that the brain's primary fuel is those um, are those carbohydrates and how I was just explaining to someone yesterday that if they are not getting enough they're going to be irritable and grumpy and um, they're just going to crave them so much more yeah I think too what we look at a lot just from the psychological standpoint is how teens also get kind of socially and emotionally developmentally stunted at whatever age the eating disorder really develops. So I know I have a lot of clients who are now 18 and they're five years out of being in a eating disorder for five years. And they're going like, I feel like I'm still 14 mentally because I spent all those years instead of developing all these like independent thinking skills or, or social skills, like obsessive with food and my weight. So I think too, to Tina's point of like the teen brain and stuff, like we need kids to continue to develop on all different ways, psychologically, emotionally, physically, and dieting really stunts all of that. So real fast, going back to you, had mentioned the intuitive eating book. Um, my question, I guess, is how can we hope that our kids can be raised as intuitive eaters, especially since diet culture is so prevalent and what can you say to the parents who have struggled themselves, but now are trying to raise intuitive kiddos? Like what's some of your thoughts on that? I would definitely recommend if the parents are hopefully listening to this podcast that they seek treatment from an eating disorder professional, um, whether that be to see an eating disorder dietitian, eating disorder therapist, both, but that they arm themselves with how to be themselves an intuitive eater and then they would be better able to help their kids be intuitive eaters. I mean, as parents, we are the biggest role models for our teens. We are the biggest role models for our children and for them to learn, you know, what type of language they can be using at home. Um, for example, like, wow, I'm enjoying my ice cream. It tastes so yummy versus I'm so bad. I eat ice cream or, Oh, let's order a pizza and have family movie night. I love pizza. It's so yummy. Um, saying, oh, you know, we're going to have to work out extra hard tomorrow. Um, I think that's a huge component that kids and teens will hear from their parents and then think, oh, if I want to please my parents, I'm going to have to go along with what they're telling me is the right way to do things as far as food goes. Or they may totally rebel and do the opposite of what their parents want. So what are some fun ways to like manage those triggers, either from their parents or their peers or with like the like idea of like prepping for your beach body or prom season's coming up, you have to lose X amount of pounds. I know, right? Which we <laughs> all know is ridiculous, but I know maybe they don't. Um, have you guys had Leslie Schillings come on here yet? Of course, yes, fabulous. Okay, yes. So I whenever when I when I look at her post, she posted something super cute that she says with her daughter, and her daughter will say mom, is that diet culture? Is that diet culture talking? <laughs> you know, yeah. I think that that's a super fun way just to suit, like to name it, yeah, to name it with your teens and for them to come to you and say, Hey, all my friends, they're on a diet for prom. Um, and naming it like, Oh, there's diet culture rearing its ugly head. Here it comes. Let's be prepared for it. 
Um, what do they actually want to do? Oh yeah, they want to feel confident at prom. Okay, let's talk about the ways that you can feel confident going to prom. Let's pick a dress that is super comfortable on you. Let's pick friends to go with that make you feel really good about yourself. Um, so really like helping your teens label that when it's coming out in our crazy culture. One of the things I work with teens in that area is kind of developing a really safe, loving, nurturing space to do some of that work by creating creative ways to go about that, such as like I've had a mom whose teen was coming out of her eating disorder and here came her first prom. And so she took her teen and a really awesome like mentor friend mom on a special like prom dress shopping trip where they like had lunch and they like talked about the ritual of this and they like complimented her and they took her shopping and then like were like, it's the dress's job to fit you, not your job to fit the dress. And like, let's make it this beautiful, safe space. And she said it was one of like the highlights for her something that was going to be very anxiety provoking became this like loving ritual any other closers anything else you want to share while we're wrapping up to listeners any words of encouragement for mamas listening I just think it is so amazing when parents are able to look at any of their own any of their own stuff that they bring um, into parenting because as we all know that as parents, any of your own unresolved issues come out when you are parenting your kids. And especially if you have a child that reminds you of yourself, um, that is definitely going to affect your parenting. And so just being really honest with themselves and really identifying what, what are the morals and values that our family holds true? And are we actually following through with those when we're parenting our teens in terms of health and bodies? Awesome. So where can people find you? They can find me through my website, which is katiebartelsrd.com. And I am located in Tustin. And I also just in 2020, started my business Instagram page, which is also Katie Bartels RD. Thank you so much, Katie. Thanks, lady. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Katie, for your insight and passion about this topic. If you have more questions about how to help your dieting teen, you can find Katie's information on our website under this episode's show notes. We will also include in the show notes some of our favorite resources for supporting families and navigating diet culture or disordered eating as well. Our takeaway question is, what steps can your entire family take to forgo diet culture? We will see you next time. This episode of Mom Jeans was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LeBoy. Just a reminder, this episode is not a substitute for therapeutic counsel or nutrition advice. Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production. You can find episode information and show notes at www.momjeansthepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at momjeansthepodcast and join the Mom Jeans the Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episodes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mommy. See you next time.